Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. Honey in the rock. 
to see. Now I taste it. It's not hard to see. Only you can satisfy. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone. Oh, my days, I've been held in your hands. 
going to be reading from uh, the book of Exodus, just a couple verses from chapter 12, verses 21 through 24. We'll be looking at, in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, John chapter 19, and I'm just going to be reading verses 28 through 30, and then we're going to be reading Psalm 51. Let's begin our reading in the Old Testament book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 through 24. Beginning with verse 21, it says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families, and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel, And on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. Move to the book of John, John chapter 19. This is a portion of the account of Jesus' crucifixion, beginning with verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel set full of sour wine, some translations say vinegar, was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. Move to Psalm, Psalm 51. Beginning with verse 1, the scripture says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God 
are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bowls on your altar. Hyssop. Hyssop. What is hyssop? Hyssop, or as it may have been pronounced in the Middle East, isib, is a hardy flowering bush-like plant that possesses an aromatic kind of minty, fresh scent and a warm, uh, pungent flavor. Now, the bushes grow to be about a foot and a half in height, and the plant is used in food, in cooking, and it's used for medicinal purposes. Hyssop was used and mentioned in four separate incidents in both the Old and New Testament. Now, in each of these incidents, hyssop was used in relation to Jesus or in the cleansing, removal, or protection from sin. Now, in the Scripture, the hyssop plant was also used as a tool to sprinkle or to apply cleansing blood in the temple. When God instructed Moses to prepare the nation of Israel for for protection from death, and to free them from the bondage of slavery, God specifically instructed Moses to have the children of Israel use hyssop to place the blood of a male lamb without blemish above and on the sides of the doorposts of their home. Now, the blood served as a sign for death to pass over their houses and to protect their firstborn from the plague of death that would soon engulf the nation of Egypt. The firstborn in every household, both man and beast, would die in one night. You can read this full account in Exodus chapter 12. But Exodus 12, 13 says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague will not be on you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. You see, Moses assigned his people with the task of applying blood using hyssop. Exodus 12.22 says, And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel in the doorpost with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of the house until morning. Now the application of the lamb's blood with hyssop is a picture or a symbol of the sacrifice Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb of God, would make in order to cleanse and protect his children from eternal death when he shed his blood for all who believe on the cross. The children of Israel placed blood around the doors or entrances of their homes using hyssop. Remember this, Jesus described himself as being the door in John 10, 7. But he also explained in Revelation 3, 19 and 20 that he stands at the door of our hearts seeking entrance. The verses say, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. Jesus desires an open door to the heart of the unsaved person. And when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, his shed blood guards the entrances to our hearts. And also remember that Jesus is the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. He was identified by John the Baptist as being the Lamb of God, as is recorded in John 1, 29 and 36. Verse 29 says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin 
of the world. Just as the blood of the Passover lamb protected the children of Israel's households from death, so too Jesus shed blood applied to our hearts removes the sin. Jesus blood removes the sentence of death and hell from the believer in Jesus Christ. Apart from the applied blood of Jesus, a person is bound and trapped in sin. Apart from Jesus cleansing blood, every person is consigned to eternal death as the penalty for their sin. But praise God as we place our trust and believe in the person of Jesus Christ, what happens? Our reproach and our death sentence is removed. It's stricken. To be born again or to be born into the kingdom of God, a person must first believe. 1 John 5, 1 and 2 says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, the born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. And this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Romans 6, 22 and 23 explains how Jesus has delivered the believer from sin. The verses explain deliverance from death and sin. The verses say, for now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the, the end everlasting life. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Verse 22 reminds us that we have been set free spiritually just as the children of Israel had been set free physically from the physical bonds of slavery in Egypt. Now Moses used the hyssop to apply the spotless blood, lamb's blood over the doorpost, and he also used the hyssop to sprinkle the cleansing blood during the ceremony of covenant with God. Now this event is chronicled both in, the, in Exodus 24, 1 and 8, and in the New Testament. You can read about it in Hebrews 9, 18 through 20. This fact is also recounted in those New Testament verses. Now the verses say, therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated with blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. Verse 20 continues saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Just as God made a covenant with his children, the children of Israel, that was sealed with blood, we also have a covenant or a promise with God the Father through Jesus Christ, God the Son, and his perfect shed blood. Now, when we celebrate communion, we are celebrating this new covenant with Jesus, sealed by his shed blood. Jesus explained this new covenant as is recorded in Matthew 26, 27, and 28. The verses say, then he took the cup and gave thanks, and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant or testament, some translations say, which is shed for the remission of sins. Now, what is the remission of sins? Well, remember, the remission of sins is payment for sin. Specifically, Jesus' payment for our iniquities. And friends, remember this. Only through Jesus' shed blood can this payment and transaction be made. This act of Jesus is substitutionary. He assumed our deadly debt of sin. He traded His perfection for our corruption. 
Acts 4.12 tells us that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only, only the precious name of Jesus. And Hebrews 9.22 explains our need for the blood of Jesus. The verse says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or payment. God explained His assignment or the requirement for blood as the source of payment and atonement way back in the Old Testament when He explained to Moses why He forbade the Israelites from eating blood. Now, this explanation for this special recognition for blood as the source of atonement is recorded in Leviticus 7, 11, and 12. The verses say, for the life of flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Therefore, I said to the children of Israel, no one among you shall eat blood, nor any stranger that dwells among you may eat blood. Now, The nation of Israel, the people were permitted to eat meat, but they weren't allowed to drink or eat blood. And hyssop was the tool of application for the blood. Another fact pertaining to hyssop is that the variations of the bush are said to flower in different colors. Some are blue, white, red, and violet or purple. Now, we can assign symbolic significance to these colors. In God's Word, they relate to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and to the removal and cleansing and washing of our sin. We read in John 19, 28 through, uh, 28 through 30, that Jesus, in His period of agony and suffering on the cross, was thirsty. And when you consider the amount of bleeding and the horrific loss of bodily fluids that must have occurred during the act of crucifixion, to me it's amazing that Christ was still even cognizant enough to be able to request water. But on the way to the cross, remember, before he was on the cross, Jesus was first offered vinegar mixed with myrrh or gall. And this was given to him and often given to people that were being crucified to deaden their pain. But remember, Jesus refused the drink after tasting it. You can read this account in Matthew 27, 34. But later, while Jesus hung on the cross, they offered him vinegar again. John 19, 29 says, Now a vessel full of vinegar or sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. And Jesus received this vinegar, which, if anything, would have most likely prolonged or increased his suffering. Now hyssop can be viewed as the tool that was present at the cleansing for sin and the suffering that Jesus bore as he hung on the cross. Remember, Jesus was spiritually clean. Jesus had never sinned. His word says that he was in all ways tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. But Jesus, God the Son, as he hung naked on the cross, he wore our sins and placed upon his person all of the sin and evil that any human being that would ever live would ever commit. And it's Jesus' atoning blood that cleanses us and makes the recipient of his grace free from sin. Like the white flowers of some of the hyssop plant. The person, the individual placing their trust and believing in Jesus is washed clean and their spirit is made as white as snow. How do we know that? Well, God's word tells us that. Isaiah 118 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be like crimson, they shall be as wool. According to the book of Daniel, 
The people that will turn to Christ to receive Jesus during the tribulation period are described as being washed clean and made spiritually white. Daniel 12.10 says, Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. In the book of Revelation, the bride of Christ, the church, and those that believe are described as being cleansed. Revelation 19.7 and 8 describes the saved redeemed, overcoming Christian, arrayed and dressed in white, ready to meet their God and their Savior. The verse said, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Friend, remember that a person can only attain this cleanness and this righteousness through faith in the person of Jesus Christ. A person is unable to scrub away or to make their own sin clean themselves. They're unable by themselves through their own power to make themselves acceptable before God. God explained to the children of Israel their need of the one true God for cleansing and redemption, and they're being unable to work to clean and to redeem themselves Jeremiah 2.22 says, For though you wash yourself with lye or nitre and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord God. To be saved, a person must first believe, then confess or admit their sin to God in order to receive salvation and to be made clean, to receive that cleansing. 1 John 1.8 and 9 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, for the, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The beautiful thing about Christ's cleansing is that no matter how far or how deep that a person has descended into sin, that seemingly hopeless sinner can be redeemed when they believe and place their trust in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 9-11 through 11 explains how the worst of offenders can be cleaned and arrayed in white. The verses say, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. But wait, here's the good news that gives everyone in this room hope. It says, and such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Praise God. Praise the Lord for His saving grace. Well, the hyssop plant is also said to bloom red flowers. And we've already talked about how the red blood of Jesus had to be shed in order for mankind to be saved. But red, crimson, and scarlet are also used in the Scriptures to represent sin or evil. Satan, our enemy, is represented as a fiery red dragon in Revelation 12.3. Red, purple, and blue were the colors. Did you know this? They were the colors that were prescribed by God to be used in the decorations and ornaments to be worn by the priest in the temple under the Old Testament economy. 
Bezalel, and Eliab. These were men who were artists. And these artists are described in Exodus chapters 35 through 39. And you can read that on your own if you're interested in that. But God specifically instructed them and filled them with God's Holy Spirit. And they were given instruction to specifically use specific colors, a specific color scheme. They were told to use red, blue, and purple. Now, Exodus 35, 35 says that God has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue and purple and scarlet thread and in fine linen and of the weaver. Those who do every work and those who design artistic works. Now, we read in Isaiah 118 about how God's forgiveness imparts to us the removal and cleansing of scarlet crimson sins, allowing the Christian to be made clean. And we see that in John 19, 2, and Mark 15, 17, the royal robe of mockery. Now, this robe was placed on Jesus after he had been stripped and scourged and beaten by the Roman soldiers. But this robe that was put on him, according to John 19, 2, and Mark 15, 17, was purple. Now, purple is traditionally and symbolically a color of royalty. So when these soldiers placed that robe on the beaten, scourged Jesus and placed a crown of thorns on his head, they were not adorning Jesus in purple to honor him. They were using the robe and the color to disparage, to mock, to ridicule, and dishonor Jesus. John 19 says that as the soldiers shouted, Hail King! What did they do? They slapped and struck Jesus with their hands to convey the idea that they really didn't believe that Jesus was a king or the king. The Roman soldiers said Jesus was king, but they didn't believe it. Friends, if we love Jesus, then we are to follow him in deed and in truth, not just with our mouths, With God's help and the help of the Holy Spirit, we throw our obey God. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus said in John 14, 23 and 24, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and he will come and abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. Jesus described the hypocrite, the person who says one thing but does or believes in or in practice does another, when he confronted the Pharisees, as is recorded in Matthew chapter 15, 8 and 9. Jesus quoted the Old Testament passage from Isaiah 29, 13, when he said, These people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I would suggest to anyone claiming to be a Christian that is turning their back on the truth in Scripture and refusing to obey Christ, that their claims to recognize Christ as their king is as fatuous and as mocking as the claims were and the insincerity was of the Roman soldiers that called Jesus king but abused him. A third incident connected to the use or the presence of hyssop is connected to David sinning against God in adultery. After David took another man's wife and plotted to ensure that that husband would be killed in battle, he turned and he confessed his evil and repented. And he turned back his heart back toward the Lord. 
In Psalm chapter 51, David expressed contrition and he lamented his sinful condition and his evil actions. And we know that David cried out to God in repentance because it's recorded in Psalm 51, 7 through 9. He wrote, wrote, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Friends, if you're here today and you're struggling or you're bound up in sin, listen, admit and confess your sin. Turn and repent from your sin. Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Christian, God doesn't want you to be trapped in the bondage of sin. You're his child. Think about your children. Do you want them to be enslaved? Listen, God wants his children to be set free from the slavery of sin. Romans 6, 17 through 19 explains God's expectations for his redeemed, blood-bought children. The verses say, but God be thanked that you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and the lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your, present your members as slaves of righteousness. There's a movement afoot in some churches today where Christians are not being called out of sin, but instead they're being made comfortable and being encouraged to remain in their willful sin. Friends, this practice is evil. And it is a work of the enemy, and it comes from the darkest regions of hell. Listen, any person claiming to love Jesus Christ as their Savior is called to turn from sin, not love sin, not nurture sin, not celebrate sin, not cultivate sin, not practice sin, not be proud of sin, or to stay and remain in their sin. 1 John 2, 1-6 through 6 explains how Christians are to have a heart that desires to be obedient to the Word of God. The verses say, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He Himself is the propitiation or payment for our sins, not only for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him, and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. Did you catch that? We are to follow in Jesus' footsteps. We are to follow Jesus' example. What about David? When he cried out to God to purge him with hyssop, he was guilty of a horrible sin. How could David find forgiveness? How can you and I find forgiveness? How can any person hope to find forgiveness from sin first? Believe. Then confess your sin. David confessed his sin when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet. David humbled himself before God. God forgave him even though he would have to face earthly consequences for his sin in this life, in this world. 
James 4, 7, and 8 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now notice that verse 7 says, resist the devil. Not submit and surrender to the devil. These verses challenge the believer, believer to turn and repent from their sin. When these, verses, when, when these verses encourage the sinner to cleanse their hands and purify their hearts, those verses are not suggesting that we can cleanse or absolve ourselves from sin. The verse is telling the sinner to turn from sin and to examine their hearts and minds. A Christian should desire to be set free from sin. A Christian should grieve over their sin. To repent means we turn from sin. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 and 10 explains how a Christian sorrowful over their sin repents and turns from sin. The verses say, now I rejoice. Not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led you to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner. Not that you might suffer loss from us and nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Have you ever met someone that was trapped in sin and they felt so guilty and horrible that they couldn't escape because they'd never come to Jesus. They'd never confess their sins. They didn't know that they had a Savior that could set them free. You see, being set free from sin doesn't come from just feeling bad. It doesn't come from just feeling sorry for what you've done or the sins you've committed. Godly sorrow causes a person to come clean. It causes a person to confess or admit their sin to God. Then, with God's help and the help of the Holy Spirit, the person repents and turns from their sin. And friends, once you've confessed your sins and repented, listen, you are set free from guilt. I mean to say that you are both set free from the guilt and consequences of your sin, and from the feelings that you may have of guilt. When a person confesses and turns from sin, they need not feel guilty anymore. They need not carry the weight of guilt. Romans 8.1 reminds us that, quote, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And 1 John 3.19-21 says, And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. You see, Christ's cleansing, what does it do? It repels guilt. And it sends away hopeless regrets. It sends away condemnation. Because of David's confession and repentance, what did God do? Well, God purged and cleansed David with hyssop, symbolically and figuratively speaking. Now, hyssop was also used as a tool to apply blood, and any person may plead the blood of Jesus. Any person may have the blood of Jesus applied to their life to receive the gift of salvation and eternal life. Any person can become a beloved child of God when they believe in Jesus Christ unto salvation. And what was Jesus' message to a perishing world dying in their sins. Well, I'll give you his words found in Mark 1.15. Mark 1.15 records the, the plea of Jesus. God's word says that Jesus preached the gospel in the kingdom of God, 
Jesus said this. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that anyone believing in Jesus and placing their trust in Jesus can receive the gift of salvation and eternal life. And Jesus' applied blood brings salvation. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10 explains how the unsaved person is redeemed. The scriptures say, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself. If you're unsaved, believe and permit the hyssop of God's hand to apply his blood to your heart, to receive his gift of eternal life and salvation. If you are trapped in sin, allow God to purge your sin and cleanse you today. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Let's pray, and I'm also going to offer a prayer for our dinner. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you that you are that cleansing agent that can only take our sin away. And Lord, I pray if there is anyone listening online today or anyone present today that has never believed and trusted you unto salvation, Father, I pray as you will it that your Holy Spirit would call them to you by your power, that they would be saved, that they would know you and become your child for all eternity. And Lord, we pray for those that have trusted you, Lord. If there are any present today that are struggling with sin, Father, I pray that you would relieve them of that sin, that they would turn and that they would be absolved and that they would be free from the bondage of sin. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Lord, we thank you for this time together, a time of fellowship, and we pray, Lord, thanking you for the food you've given us. You've given us running water. You've given us clothing. You've given us shelter. You've given us a place to worship. You've given us all the things that we need. Lord, we thank you for these things and ask for your blessing on this meal, that you be glorified even in our eating. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.